like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this, this like Friday blast. edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, 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 yes. We are back. We are live. We are doing another episode two times this week. It's pretty impressive. We haven't done the show two times in a week. It feels like forever. It could have been last week. I just, I just don't really remember. But for those of you who are unaware, if you did not catch Monday's show or didn't talk to me during that span between Monday and today, we did not do a show on Wednesday because of the fact I was going to an Iowa Hawkeyes basketball game. This is my first ever basketball game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I'd, it never happened. I don't know why. I've lived on this earth for 24 years. Almost, uh, not oh, I, I, I got a few more months. There were 24 and a half years on this earth. And we never went to an Iowa basketball game growing up. And that mainly goes down to the fact, like we've talked about before, we were never massive, like massive, die hard, uh, whatever you want to call it, Iowa Hawkeye basketball fans. Like we said before, I was an Iowa basketball fan pretty much because I was an Iowa basketball fan. Like, and I have a few players that I watched growing up that we talked about last show. Like, Adam Haluska is my favorite Iowa Hawkeye player of all time. Love Devin Marble as well. Got the, the Todd Licklider era. You know, you got John Licklider, the greatest basketball player of all time, with Coley Payne, Jake Kelly, Andrew Brommer, Matt Gatons, Jeff Horner. Like, we had some, they had some very nice players back in the day. I mean, not really the, the middle ones, but the last, the first and the, the end of that. Those the were pretty nice players. And it also comes from the fact that Iowa basketball games, and it's just the Big Ten schedule, I think, is really weird where they play games at on, like, Tuesday nights at 6.30, 6 o'clock, 7, whatever. And you live in Des Moines, you live an hour and a half away, and then you got to go back. Like, when we were younger, we go into school. I don't have the time to drive all the way, or my parents don't have the time, to drive all the way to Iowa City and then back. So that's three hours on the road to watch an Iowa basketball game. Granted, a bad Iowa basketball game. Back when we were younger, we were bad. <laughs> so we never really went. I say never really went. We never went in general. And it's easier for like kids that grew up Iowa State basketball fans because Iowa State is historically known as a basketball school. They're, they're the basketball school in the state of Iowa. And it's easier for them because when you have your biggest fan base in Des Moines – they only have to drive a half hour, 35, 40 minutes up north to get to Hilton Coliseum, and it's only a 30, 35, 40 minute drive back to Des Moines. So it's very easy to do that. So you'll see, I'm not saying that's the main cog and why Iowa State's home attendance record and their their atmosphere is so much better than Iowa's, but it, it's got to be part of it. <laughs> it's definitely part of it. And it also didn't help that, again, Iowa basketball is probably, this is from a, Un, what do you want to call it? It's not really like based off anything. It's just <laughs> I guess it's not it's not factually hundred percent like a thousand percent right. It might be wrong. Maybe some people view it differently. But Iowa has always been a football and wrestling school. Always has been. Like Carver Hawkeye Arena. If you compare wrestling atmospheres, which is something that again that I want to do really really bad is go to an Iowa wrestling match and basketball atmospheres. Just from the videos you see on social media and on YouTube and stuff like that, or just watching it live. The atmosphere in the wrestling meets is so much more insane than Iowa basketball. And I, I, it just comes from the fact we've never been a big basketball school. That's just how I say we, Iowa, has never been a big basketball school. But about this game, it was Iowa versus Michigan State. They retired four numbers. They finally retired Roy Marble's number. They retired two other numbers before the game started along with Roy Marble. But I, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't remember what your names were. You are playing back in the 40s and 60s, so I, I really don't remember who you are, and I apologize for that. And the big one was Luca Garza at halftime. 
Now, you could go on and on with different Iowa fans depending on who you think your favorite Iowa basketball player, who the greatest Iowa basketball player of all time is. But I think both of them got their numbers retired last night, or last night, on Tuesday night. And that's Luca Garza and Roy Marble. Now, Roy Marble, if it weren't for all the the, the off-the-court issues that he had throughout his life, his number would have been retired a long time ago. And we're talking about NBA careers. Obviously, B.J. Armstrong reigns superior over everybody else in regards to NBA careers. Bobby Hansen even as well, playing for the Chicago Bulls. Not as much as B.J. Armstrong did, being on those championship teams with Michael Jordan, being the starting point guard of those teams, even though it was <laughs> predominantly Scottie Pippen dribbling the ball up the court, B.J. Armstrong still played a pretty vital role in those Chicago Bulls teams when they won those championships. The first three, Pete, because then Ron Harper came into the fray for the last three, Pete, as <laughs> the point guard for that team. But yeah, it was awesome. Luka Garza, to me, I would consider Luka Garza the greatest Iowa Hawkeye basketball player of all time. I don't think, I, and this is just coming from my lifetime, again, a lifetime of Iowa basketball where they were never really that dominant. They never really had that dominant player. They had some good players, I'd say. Like we said before, like Adam Holesko would be up there for one of them. Matt Gatins was another very good player as well. Devin Marble could be considered in that category as well. Maybe not GOAT category, but he's one of my favorite Iowa players of all time. But Garza dominated. There were games where everybody's having an off night and Garza somehow drops the quietest 50 burger of all time. It didn't make any sense. And it just, boop, there's 50 points right there. Not to mention 15 rebounds as well. Like It was just a double-double machine for Luka Garza, taking home the National Player of the Year, which is something I never thought I'd see at the University of Iowa, looking at those centers that I had to deal with throughout my lifetime. Like the before-mentioned Andrew Brommer, didn't even mention Adam Woodbury in that, <laughs> in that as well. But, man, that was really cool. That was really cool. Carver's a hot place we were now granted we were very high up and I when I say high up we were on ground level pretty much because though you don't know Carver Hawkeye Arena is basically in a hole so when you walk into the arena and you're sitting courtside you're not walking into the arena oh you're already at your seat no you're what you're walking in and you're at the very top row so there's not really a bad seat in the entire house for Carver Hawkeye Arena so we were at like the third row from the top or something and yeah the players look small because I mean you're you're sitting very very far away but it didn't, it wasn't like anything terrible. Like I walked a whole hell of a lot less to get to my seat at Carver Hawkeye Arena than Hilton. But that being said, again, the atmosphere is two totally different things. And I know part of it has to go down to the fact that Iowa was playing Iowa State during that game. So Iowa State was going to be up for it. It's in Hilton Coliseum, so they're going to be up for it. But then also the same thing comes into play where Iowa and Michigan State, though they're not like what you initially think of when you go like, oh, massive rival massive rivalry because when I was growing up it was always Michigan State was top dog Michigan State made finals appearances they went to the final four consistently Tom Izzo is one of the greatest coaches of all time so it was like and I was <laughs> coming forward with Todd Licklider <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't anything that was like this is what I view as a rivalry but when you beat Michigan State it was like oh my god we beat Michigan State or we I keep saying we <laughs> Iowa would beat Michigan State but then uh you got the whole case of they're retiring arguably the greatest Iowa basketball player of all time. So why would there not be more people there? But again, that goes in the whole thing of Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, driving from Des Moines to Iowa City and back. It wasn't like it was a terrible atmosphere. I don't want to take that away and go like, oh, Iowa, oh. Carver's atmosphere was so trash in the game against Michigan State. Brutal. No, we're not going to say that. We're not going to sit here and say that or anything like that. 
But it wasn't like the Iowa State-Iowa game. And again, I said this before, but I get it. It was a big-time rivalry. Iowa State, basketball, both teams are surprisingly good (laughs) or better than what people expected. And then Iowa-Michigan State, and it was supposed to be a top 25 matchup. Iowa's ranked in the top 25. They got put back, and Michigan State dropped out. They lost four of their last five games. And Iowa routed them. Yeah, they destroyed them. It wasn't. It was bad from the word go, and Iowa just put the foot down and drove right through them. It was like it was like nothing, like a hot knife through butter or something like that. There was obviously it was close at the start because you can't really get a massive lead off the first points of the game. You're up, you're up two to nothing or three nothing or hey maybe even one nothing. Maybe you get a you get fouled, make the first three throw, miss the second one. Maybe that, maybe that's how you score your first points of the game. But I will say this about that game. The, this might be more of an indictment on my part than the, the crowd. Uh, I The loudest I cheered throughout that entire game was when... <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know if I want to say this because it, it does kind of look bad on my part in regards to being a, a, a basketball or an Iowa fan or something like that because I don't, want it, I don't want it to be like this. But I was laughing so hard. I was... <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize for this. I apologize. But Chris Murray scored the 69th point of the game. The 69th. Yes. Yes, my brain is still developing. I'm still in the mindset of a toddler. But Chris Murray scored the 69th point of the game. And the loudest I booed the entire game is when Keegan Murray scored the 71st point of the game. <laughs> I, I mean, I was annihilating them at that point. And my friend Tom and I, I went with two friends, Tom and Noah, and Tom and I are sitting there. It's like, okay, now you got to stop scoring. And in reality, if Iowa stopped scoring at 69, they would still won the game by nine points. Now, winning by 26 looks really cool, especially when you're retiring two of your greatest basketball players of all time's number. But it was it was a fun game. I, I really enjoyed the game. Keegan Murray had a really quiet 28 points. The game, he had five rebounds as well. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey didn't play his best game ever. He had five points. But he also had six rebounds in the game. Uh, um, Connor McCaffrey, weirdly... Like I never, I didn't think this was a thing, but Connor McCaffrey went two from two from three. I didn't know that was possible. Two for two, scored six points, had one rebound in the game as well. Then also had Jobo Jordan Bohannon scoring eleven points in the game. But it was just a, it was an easy game for Iowa, really easy. And Michigan State is falling like a freaking rock right now. Like we said before, they lost four of the last five games. Now they've lost five of the last six games. The last win coming against Indiana. Lost to Rutgers, Wisconsin, Penn State, Illinois, and Iowa. And now they're taking on Purdue in two nights from now. So that should be chalking up unless something crazy happens. And it is at Michigan State. Something crazy happened. Purdue should win that game. Purdue's the fourth-ranked team in the nation right now. So Purdue really should have no issues winning that game. They just beat Rutgers by 12 points. Again, a a team that Michigan State lost to to start their losing streak, 84-63. So I know times change. And I know Michigan State's played three top 25 teams during the six-game stretch, but I really don't think they should uh, – I don't think Purdue will have a lot of problems based off what I saw in the game against Iowa on Saturday – or on Tuesday. And it's not – I don't want to sound like I'm a college basketball expert or anything because I'm definitely not. I have not watched a lot of college basketball this year. I've watched a few UNI games here and there because they're currently leading the Missouri Valley Conference like we talked about on Monday. But – I haven't watched a lot of Iowa. I think I've watched three Iowa games, and they were Ohio State, Minnesota, and now Michigan State. I've watched like four, five, or six UNI games this year. I've watched two Drake games, but that one of them was against UNI, so I don't know if that really <laughs> that really counts. And one 
One or two. No, I watched two Iowa State games because I watched them against Iowa and then watched them against Texas Tech like a few weeks after that because my sister was at the game. She was sitting courtside, so we had to... My parents had to turn it on so we could see where my sister was sitting so we could see if we could see her on TV. And we could because you know why? She was sitting courtside. So <laughs> as predicted, you could see her. But yeah, that, I just wanted to go over that. I didn't really think I'd be talking about the Iowa game for 12 minutes, but that's the reality in which we are living in right now. Before we go into the main talking points of today's show, make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. That's my personal account. The show's account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. So make sure The and 1 are at the beginning and end of that. Facebook and Insta- or Facebook and YouTube are the exact same thing. Just search Logan Blackman Show. Should pop up. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch a few videos. Give them a thumbs up. And on Facebook, give it a thumbs up there as well. And of course, you're listening to the show right now. So make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a rating out of five stars on both and leave a description for why you feel the way you do about the Logan Blackman Show, whether it was a good show, a bad show, or whatever. Just make sure you leave a rating. It could be one star, it could be two, three, four, or a five star. One thing you can't do is leave a zero star review or a six star review. So you got to leave it between the realms of one and five. So I would greatly appreciate that if you did that. But one thing that we talked about in extensive, uh, a lot, I should say, on Monday's show was the United States men's national team about the World Cup qualifiers. They're coming up at the end of March. We are a month away, currently, where I sit right now. I know you guys aren't because your guys are coming out on Friday. It's 25th of February right now, but the United States' next World Cup qualifying game is March 24th against Mexico. So I am currently, where I am recording this, is a month away (laughs) from the United States' next game. And the U.S. really could not be going through a more stressful period than right now. They currently sit second in the World Cup qualifying group right now behind Canada, tied with Mexico on points, but above them on goal difference. And in this next three games they have, they play Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica, the third, fourth, and fifth ranked teams in CONCACAF qualifying right now. This isn't like, and we talked about this the other show on Monday, this isn't like when they failed to qualify in 2017 for the 2018 World Cup where they're playing the worst rated team in CONCACAF qualifying in Trinidad and Tobago. You're not doing that. You're playing Mexico and Costa Rica on their grounds. You're going to their countries to play that. You're playing Panama in the United States, but Panama historically has been one of those bogey teams for the United States where it doesn't matter how good Panama is or how bad the United States is or how good they are or how bad good we are or whatever. That's always seems to be a bogey team. And Mexico, based off recency, the United States really should have no problem in this game. They beat them the last three times they played in bigger, uh, well, bigger circumstances than this. Maybe. I would say the last, no, because this one's for, no, this is the biggest circumstance right now. And what sucks about this current situation the United States are currently in is the fact one of their, if not their most important player, is now out for 8 to 12 weeks, and that is in the form of Weston McKinney. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you out there would be like, oh, Logan, you've talked about Christian Pulisic being the best player the United States has. Yes. But I think the United States are much more hurt if Weston McKinney does not play than Christian Pulisic. Because they do have similar-esque players to Christian Pulisic on the United States men's national team, namely Brendan Aronson. So that's the main one that we can replace with. Weston McKinney, you don't have any replacements. Who are you sending in there to replace Weston McKinney? My gut says Sebastian Legette will be the one that replaces McKinney in the midfield. That's what my gut is telling me right now. But I don't want Sebastian Legette to start three World Cup qualifiers against Mexico, Panama and Costa Rica. I really don't want that. I really do not want that. Don't need that at all. 
the gap between Weston McKinney and the next best center midfielder, not including Tyler Adams and Jonas Musa in this because they're already starting. And we're talking about the backups to these players. The gaps between these guys is astronomical. And I have no real beef or issues with Sebastian Legette or Christian Roldan or Luca De La Torre or what other midfielders are there that the United States has. Like central midfielders. So not Kellen Acosta or James Sands because they're holding midfielders. And I love Gianluca Busio, but he's not at Weston McKinney's level. Like, this is awful. And it's just starting to feel like 2018 again where you never felt... Like, when 2018 was happening, when the 2017... When they were in 2017 trying to qualify for the World Cup, it didn't. There was never a thought through anybody's mind that the United States could miss a World Cup. That was not something that was on the forefront of anybody's mind at that time. Especially when you're looking at the team they were playing and all they needed to do was win against the worst-rated team. Again, I can't stress that enough, the worst-rated team in CONCACAF Last place in the standings, Trinidad and Tobago. All they need to do is win and lost. That's not that that has sent every United States men's national team fan into a frenzy at this very point. Because though that was never a thought process back then, it became a reality now with Weston McKinney out and Giovanni Reyna also being injured. We talked about that on Monday. Granted, Giovanni Reyna doesn't look too serious at this point in time, so hopefully he's back and ready to go. But now your thought process doesn't go to, oh, there's no way they're not going to make the World Cup. Now your thought process goes, oh my God, they're going to miss it again, aren't they? That's where your brain instantly goes. At least that does for me. I'm a pessimist. I, every time when I talk to my, like, go over different sporting events or different teams of mine that I really like, I always, always have low expectations. Now, is that bad to a certain extent? Yes. Because then you could go like, oh, you can never be happy. But then you can also go with, well, if my expectations were already pretty low, if they exceed those expectations, I'm even happier than what I would have been if I predicted them to do better. So with the United States, my mind instantly, they're missing the World Cup. Now, do I want that to happen? Do I think it will happen? Really? No, I don't think it will happen. Knock, knock on wood, of course. I hope you can hear that because I want to make sure it's loud enough so I can, <laughs> you can hear it. But my brain is saying they're missing it. But I, I, my con- what, what, what is it? That's not conscience. Whatever. Something's telling me they're missing it, but I do not think. That might not make any sense whatsoever. But West McKinney's loss is massive. Massive, 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 massive. Two of the best... Two, the top two players in the United States men's national team are Christian Pulisic and West McKinney. The most important player in the United States men's national team is Weston McKinney. Hope that makes sense to people out there. So with this new injury, with the possibility of like... Sebastian Lejet, Luca De La Torre, Christian Roldan, or someone like that starting, my thought process for the starting lineup now for the United States says back five, two midfielders, and three forwards. Five, two, three. That's what I'm thinking right now. Or whatever you want, three, four, three. However you want to look at it, really. So we're going to have a midfield of Tyler Adams and Jonas Musa. Because, again, I think there's a gap between those two and the rest of the players out there. The midfield three for the United States is pretty much locked up. Now, I've talked about this before where Greg Berhalter did like to play Christian Pulisic in the midfield, and Pulisic played for Chelsea in the midfield against Crystal Palace last weekend, but he had a really good game against Lille this past day and played on the left wing, which is his natural position. So I don't know if he'd be willing to move him back from that. Maybe he plays in a like a 4-2-3-1 or something like that and plays Aronson as a number 10 and Rain outright or Musa or not Musa, sorry, Tim Weah outright. Maybe that's what happens, but I, I don't know. But back five seems to be the most logical step forward for the United States because it's a, it's a formation that's not foreign to the United States by this point in time because Greg Berhalter's second favorite formation after the 4-3-3 is 
the 5-2-3 or the 3-4-3. Where the front three, typically, if everybody's healthy, of Pulisic, Pepe, and Reyna. Now, obviously, Reyna's been hurt, so Tim Weah will be starting at right wing if this is the scenario that actually plays out. And then midfield two of Jonas Musa and Tyler Adams with the back five, which I think the back five, we're talking about for the fullbacks part of it with Dest, Robinson, Yedlin, Cannon, Bello, all those guys. Back five really works best for these guys. Because though Dest and Robinson, who are the obviously the two starting fullbacks for the United States at this point in time, though they are very athletic, they don't they're not the greatest defensively, just to not sugarcoat it. They're not the greatest defensively. They are great going forward. Tracking back's a little bit of an issue. So the back three, I think, really works best for them because you have the two center backs on the outside pressing out, spreading out a little bit. But that middle center back, I think, will be interesting. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Walker Zimmerman. So you have a starting lineup of Turner or Stefan, back three of Robinson, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, John Brooks, if he's healthy. If not, it'll probably be Chris Richards. Then Dest and Robinson, Anthony Robinson at left back. Jonas Musa, Tyler Adams, and then if everybody's healthy, we got Pulisic, Pepe, Reyna. But if we're being pessimistic, uh, we, are, we are assuming John Brooks won't be in there because he's going to get hurt somehow. And same with Reyna. So we're going to have Weya and, of course, like we said earlier, Chris Richards. But I'm very nervous. I'm very, very nervous. I don't know what the squad's going to look like for the next round of World Cup qualifying. I think the squad will be released in a couple weeks. But, uh Stressful times. Stressful, stressful, stressful times. Like, if you look at the Nations League final, the United States had against Mexico. So, CONCACAF Nations League final. I want to see what the start... I don't remember what the starting lineup for that was. CONCACAF... No. Hold on. I, I'm trying to get everything sorted out here. <laughs> Nations League final. There we go. Okay, so the starting lineup for this, if this is what what I'm looking for... Okay, well, it's not showing what I it's not showing what it was, but the the starting lineup for the United States against Mexico was a back five of Dest, uh, McKenzie, Mark McKenzie, John Brooks, and Tim Ream, and then DeAndre Yedlin, DeAndre Yedlin at right back, Dest at left back, with a midfield of McKinney and Costa. Now, the thing I'm worried about to a certain extent, I guess you could say, with the midfield two, is that Musa is more attack minded than say Acosta and McKinney are. So maybe you see a midfield two of Acosta and Tyler Adams, but that might be too defensive. So I don't know. I will it'll be interested to see how this goes, but I, Acosta can tr move forward a little more. Tyler Adams is going to be sitting. So will that allow Musa to get further forward, or are they going to want Musa to be a little more, I don't know what you want to call it, quote-unquote responsible defensively or something like that? Time will tell. But it looks like a back five for the United States right now because I don't really want Legit to start. Uh, goalie will be an interesting thing, but... I'm nervous, man. I'm very nervous for this next round of World Cup qualifying. I was already nervous for this next round of World Cup qualifying. I'm even more nervous now. I am so nervous. And these pictures of Giovanni Reina crying coming off the field for Dortmund and West McKinney grimace, grimacing after getting his foot snapped by a Villarreal defender, I'm, I'm not... Those are going to live in my brain rent-free. Like 13 seconds will live in my brain rent-free for the rest of my life. But man, has two broken bones in his left foot. Will miss US, U.S.'s final three World Cup qualifiers next month. Juventus confirmed on Wednesday. That is brutal. <laughs> that is not poggers. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize for that. Oh, man. This is going to be stressful, though. I, I'm, I'm not ready for this. But moving on to hopefully something that's more fun to talk about, which is the quarterback carousel around the NFL. Because there's something going on right now 
where <laughs> Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, who is a, I don't know, a very interesting person. That's what we'll, we'll say about Aaron Rodgers, a very interesting person. He's kind of a dork. I think everybody has gathered that at this point. But he posted this really weird, cryptic message on Instagram the other day talking about how grateful he was for everything and basically sounded like he was retiring. And then Diana Russini on ESPN said, Aaron Rodgers will be informing the Packers of decisions soon. Per league sources, I'm told there are multiple teams with offers on the table, but of course, nothing can happen until Green Bay allows a trade. So where will Aaron Rodgers be playing next season? Now, obviously, there's going to be a lot that needs to go down to get Aaron Rodgers a trade because there, there's two issues on this thing for me anyways. Rodgers is old. Rodgers is 38 years old. He ain't no spring chicken anymore. So you don't know what to really give up for Aaron Rodgers. So like if you're the Denver Broncos with the ninth pick, the logic says, that, oh yeah, they're going to give up the ninth pick for a 38-year-old quarterback, which I don't think has ever been done before. I could be completely wrong about this, but I don't think that's ever been done before, where you're giving up such a high-value pick for a 38-year-old quarterback. Now, there hasn't been a lot of 38-year-old quarterbacks in the NFL that have won back-to-back MVPs. So, it's a different standard. This isn't like you're trading for a 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. You're trading for a 38-year-old that just won two MVPs and just got his team in the NFC Championship game last year. Obviously, didn't show up in the playoff game this year against the 49ers. And then the other question is, what is his <laughs> commitment going to be Moving forward, will he be staying in the NFL after this year? Will he retire? Because there were talks of him retiring during the draft last year. Or him wanting a trade and said, if you don't trade me, I'm going to retire. So I don't know what the hell is going on with this situation. Because we went from the Packers promised, apparently Packers promised Aaron Rodgers a trade, to the Packers saying we never promised him a trade, to now the Packers are committed to building everything around Aaron Rodgers, even though they have no money. They have the second worst cap situation this coming offseason. So you bring Aaron Rodgers back, you're not bringing Devontae. Devontae Adams isn't coming back. There's a very, very minuscule chance Devontae Adams comes back next year. Because he's a free agent. And the Packers, again, have no money. My gut tells me Devontae Adams goes to Vegas because he played with Derek Carr in college, so that would be the most logical fit, one would say. And the Raiders are in need of some wide receivers. So Devontae Adams just feels like a natural fit out in Vegas. If that's the case, if that is what happens. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I saw something today about the 49ers possibly trading for Aaron Rodgers. And I've seen some things around the 49ers recently in regards to the quarterback situation, whether it be uh, Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the 49ers because that was heavily linked to them during the draft process last year. And then we have Tom Brady retiring, and Tom Brady has said, or not Tom Brady, reports have said Tom Brady would want to retire for the team that he grew up cheering for. But then other reports have gone like, nah, he's kind of just said screw the 49ers now. 49ers passed on him for Giovanni Carmazzi. I don't think he's really good. Knowing what I know about Tom Brady, I don't really think he's going to go, well, yeah, now I'm going to go play for them. I mean, I'm going to turn every bridge down just because I grew up watching them. No, I think he's our, I think the 49ers burnt that bridge. At least that's how I'm viewing it right now. And then there was reports today that the 49ers might not trade Jimmy Garoppolo. So what the hell is going on in San Francisco? Because I am under this impression, and I have said this about 100 times here on the Logan Blackman Show, that I think Trey Lance, we said this last year during the draft, that Trey Lance is the most talented quarterback to come out of the 2021 NFL draft class. Now, I would like to preface that again. Talented. Like we've talked about before, there's a difference between 
being a talented quarterback and being a good quarterback. Like I think everybody out there can say Sam Darnold has some sort of talent. I, I think people can see that. He's just not very good. He's not very good at all. So if you don't develop this talent right, it can turn into something bad. Like Jeff George had a lot of talent. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. He bounced around the league a hundred times, left the Colts, the Falcons, the Vikings, Raiders, I don't know all the other teams he played for. Number one overall pick, too. Colts traded everything to move up to get Jeff George. Talented. Jay Cutler, super talented quarterback. Good at times, but ain't nowhere near a Hall of Fame quarterback. So, like, talent can get you so far. If you develop it right and have the right temperament, and I think Trey Lance is in a situation right now where he could be developed into a very good quarterback, a very scary quarterback, if everything falls into place right. And I've seen some things. We kind of brought this up on Monday where it was Jimmy or Joe Montana saying Jimmy Garoppolo should stay there, Trey, Steve Young saying that Trey Lance is ready to go because he got the whole Steve Young wanted Joe Montana to get Trey so he could play. Joe, Steve, both of them wanted to play. Joe Montana is obviously going to side with the, the older veteran while Steve Young's going to sign for the young guy who's got a lot of potential to be the starter. Obviously, it's just how it's going to work out. But I think the 49ers just got to roll the dice with him. There are so many things that he can do that Jimmy Garoppolo can't even think of doing. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's just very limited. And we talked about this during the draft. The reason they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo or drafted Trey Lance is because the best ability is availability. Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. This is one of the odd years where he has stayed relatively healthy. Like, I don't think the 49ers, when they drafted Trey Lance, were expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to go out there a full season and not get hurt once, or at least sustain some major injury or something like that, where he has to miss significant playing time. Like, Trey Lance, I think he started one game this year for the 49ers. He played in a few games. I bet he played like six, seven games this year, but he started one, and it was against the Texans. And people are going off of that game. Like, people really want to go off one game for Trey Lance. One game. Same thing with Jordan Love as well. But, like, Patrick Mahomes played one game his rookie year. One game. His last game of the season against the Denver Broncos. And it wasn't anything spectacular. Like, he didn't throw a touchdown and had an interception. He threw for 80, 284 yards. Got sacked twice. Like, nothing said out of that game that Aaron, Patrick Mahomes was going to develop into the quarterback he was. Like, but I don't remember people bashing the Chiefs and going, oh, I don't know about that one. Like, Trey Lance didn't do anything, like, amazing against the Houston Texans. But I think Trey Lance could be a very, very good quarterback. Like against the this season, he started two games. He had five touchdowns, two interceptions, 603 yards. Didn't complete an insanely high number percent of passes, but he had 168 rushing yards and a touchdown there as well. Six, he played in six games, started two games. I think this year was great for Trey Lance. I think this is what exactly what was needed for Trey Lance. Sit behind a quarterback, much like Patrick Mahomes did. Sit behind a quarterback. That has been there. He's gone to a Super Bowl now. Alex Smith never went to a Super Bowl, but it's a quarterback that's not going to make any stupid mistakes or make any giant blunders or things like that. More often than not, unless his brain shuts off when it did a couple times this season, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make the smarter throw. That's what you would expect. And that he's a kind of quarterback of a professional. He was with Tom Brady, came over to San Fran. He's been the guy, and now they're ready to move on from him. At least that's what the thought process is. And I, I get the whole thing that they might not be ready to move off Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they've had second thoughts or something like that. They have gone to the point to where they traded a lot to get Trey Lance. A lot. Like, with the Packers and Jordan Love, that situation in itself is kind of weird. 
but they didn't give up years worth of picks or move up a lot to get Jordan Love. I think they moved up, what, six spots? They drafted him, I think, 24th. They moved up from 30th or something like that, 29th, somewhere around there. They didn't have to give up the farm to get Jordan Love. The, the 49ers moved him from 12. They gave up a lot. 12 to 3 is not cheap. So you have a quarterback like Trey Lance. If he doesn't start this year or come out the season at least as the starter, that's not very fun. <laughs> that's not very. That's not what you're wanting here. Because with the Chiefs, they traded up from 27 to 10. That's a massive leap as well. So Patrick Mahomes was going to play that year, that next year regardless. Alex Smith knew that. The writing was on the wall. Jimmy G should know that. The writing is on the wall for him in San Francisco. So... Though the reports are saying the 49ers might be having second thoughts about Trey Lance starting, I think they're going to start Trey Lance. I think they go out and sign somebody or trade for somebody this offseason to be his backup or someone that can compete with him or something like that to push him. I think someone like Marcus Mariota would be very fun to see in San Francisco because of similar skill sets. So, yeah, that was something that I would look out for with that. Like the Ravens, when Lamar Jackson was getting his chance to start for the Ravens, RG3 was there. So you have a quarterback that has been there his talent, but we know is not going to be like a full-time starter in the NFL. I think Marcus Mariota is in a better spot right now than RG3 was when he left Cleveland for that last time. I think Marcus Mariota could go and start somewhere. I think somewhere like Indianapolis would be a really cool place for him to start if the Colts do end up trading Carson Wentz, which is what seems like it's very likely at this point that they'll trade Carson Wentz. But yeah, he's the highest paid back in the league. I was kind of surprised that he didn't get a move last year. I think someone like him or Mitch Trubisky would be very fun to see in a new starting position. I want to see these guys start, because I think Trubisky, we've talked about this before, Trubisky is one of the most overhated quarterbacks in NFL history. I've never really understood the amount of hate Trubisky gets. I know and understand completely that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are way better than Mitch Trubisky. But let's not sit around and act like this was a, like he is a garbage quarterback like Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf. He's not at that level. He's nowhere near that level. It's all because of the players that were drafted after him. It's not actually judging what he is as a player. It's more of looking at, oh, wow, look at Mahomes and Watson and going, oh, wow, yeah, he's not that. So now we're going to hate on him. And then now it kind of got sad this season because we had Justin Fields come in and then everybody started going, oh, wow, it must not have been Trubisky's fault. It must be Matt Nagy sucks. That's sad. Like It took you a full year to figure out, oh, wow, Matt Nagy is pretty awful. Trubisky got this offense to the playoffs twice. Like, Matt Nagy and Trubisky, from everything I've read about Trubisky right now, is not anywhere near on talking terms with Matt Nagy. And I don't blame him. Matt Nagy scapegoated him a thousand times. Like, I, if I'm Trubisky, that bridge is burnt, and I want to go somewhere where I can have a chance to play. And I think the most logical spot for, like, Trubisky is the Giants. Because you got Daniel Jones there, you got Brian Dable there. You're old offensive coordinator, so you're not really switching systems that much. And Daniel Jones is prone to the odd mistake. He is prone to the odd mistake. And you guys do, they, you guys, they do have similar-ish skill sets. And I think Trubisky could be an awesome, not awesome, awesome, awesome quarterback, but I think he could be a good quarterback with the Giants. I think that would be a very fun one. Because if Daniel Jones isn't ready or isn't as good as what they were hoping for, Mitch Trubisky would be a very nice quarterback to have there. Very nice quarterback. Familiar with the system and all that stuff. And this offseason is going to be a very topsy-turvy one in regards to moving around quarterbacks. And I'm all for it. I have not the slightest idea where anybody's going to go, but you know what? 
We're going to try and predict it. <laughs> it's really early in the offseason, but we're going to try and predict it. Okay? So, like, starting off with the big one, Deshaun Watson, just for fun, I'm going to send to the Pittsburgh because Brian Flores just got signed there just a few, like, a couple days ago. And he was the big reason that Miami wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson because Brian Flores wanted him there. So, I think it makes a lot of sense for Deshaun Watson to go up there. They have the cap space for him as well. And they have a first-round draft pick, which is going to be crucial in this situation because uh, the, you need those to get Deshaun Watson because you can't be the Rams and trade your lack of first-round draft picks. I don't think the Texans really care about your 2035 draft picks in the first round. So Deshaun Watson, I think, makes sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Houston, now that he's out of there, I think they just go out and sign someone like Andy Dalton or, or something. That just feels like a very Houston-esque thing to do. Or Jimmy Garoppolo. Because they already they talked about training for Jimmy Garoppolo last year. And I, I like Davis Mills. You've heard me talk about Davis Mills quite a bit on this show. I think he's got something there. He hasn't played a lot of games since high school. He's played like 16 or 17 games since high school. So I think they've got something there. It seems like Lovey Smith likes him. I think I just saw today Lovey Smith announced, named him the starter, said the starting quarterback is Davis Mills. So, yeah, get someone there, back him up a little bit, push him a little bit, experienced quarterbacks. I think Davis Mills might be pretty good. I like him. Rodgers, if he does go to Denver, that leaves a really interesting situation in Green Bay because I saw reports that uh, they don't really like Jordan Love or they're not convinced with Jordan Love, which I think everybody could see coming when they traded up to get him in the first place because it seemed like a very rushed situation where they were mad at Aaron Rodgers, so they were going, okay, we're going to draft a quarterback. And then Aaron Rodgers proceeded to win back-to-back MVPs. But I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love has a lot of potential. I think Jordan Love has a lot of potential. I really liked him coming out of Utah State. But people are overjudging him, I think, at this point because he hasn't played. Like, Aaron Rodgers didn't play for the first three years of his career. Phillip Rivers didn't play for the first two years of his career. So, I don't. I, the only reason we're judging Jordan Love is because we haven't seen him play and we've seen the other quarterbacks in this draft class like Burrow and Herbert do amazing things. Burrow just went to a Super Bowl in his second year and Jordan Love's sitting on the bench. So, I think if Aaron Rodgers does go to someone like Denver, which I think is... I, I get there's multiple teams that have offers for him. Denver's easily the most likely one. They just brought in Nathaniel Hackett to be the off, the head coach of the team. He was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator. Like, that's what they brought him in for. They tried to trade for him last offseason. Like, Aaron Rodgers, if he goes anywhere, he'll probably be to, vent, to Denver. And if Green Bay loses Aaron Rodgers, someone they'll probably get is, like, Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. I saw something today where it was like, they might go after Mitch Trubisky or something like that. But I don't know. I think Trubisky, if he, doesn't, if he goes anywhere, I, I would be pretty surprised if it wouldn't be to the Giants. I would be pretty surprised by that. Uh, Carson Wentz is also a very interesting one. I saw the other day that the Washington Commanders are apparently very interested in him. So where would that leave an opening in Indianapolis? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater goes to Indy? Maybe we see Marcus Mariota go there, because I think Marcus Mariota deserves a chance to be a starter, at least in some capacity. I mean, the Colts will obviously draft a quarterback in the second round if they do trade Carson Wentz. They might even draft one if they have Carson Wentz on the active roster. But at least give Mariota somewhat of a chance going back to his division. I also think the Packers might be a very interesting one because he was there in Tennessee during Matt LaFleur's one and only season as Tennessee's offensive coordinator. So maybe they bring him back to the Green Bay, get him under Matt LaFleur again? I don't know. But the, the 49ers seem like a very logical fact. I don't know if the 49ers would really go gung-ho with just one quarterback <laughs> with Trey Lance and not bring anybody in that's at least somewhat experienced or somewhat similar skill set. That's why I like where Mariota comes in. Athletic quarterback can throw. 
accurate, doesn't turn the ball over. So I think that works well with Trey Lance. I think that could work well there. Develop Trey Lance right, please. <laughs> Tampa can be interesting. I think they'll just, my gut says they'll just stick with Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask. I like Kyle Trask. You remember me talking about Kyle Trask going into last season. Kyle Trask is one of the more, uh, what do you want to call it, precise passers. At least he was when he was at Florida. Like, there's not a single throw Kyle Trask could not make at Florida. The only downside to Kyle Trask is that when you looked at other quarterbacks that he was competing against, he got outplayed by Mac Jones and had a very rough game against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. I think he threw three interceptions at halftime. So that hurt his draft stock quite a bit. And then uh, the fact that he's not very mobile, I think, also hurts him. So we'll see how he goes. I like Kyle Trask. I think he deserves at least one year to be Tampa's starting quarterback. If he's not starting, just the backup to Blaine Gabbert. I think they like Blaine Gabbert. He's been around Bruce Arians. I saw something with Jimmy Garoppolo going there, Patriots guy. So replacing Tom Brady. and <laughs> Finally replacing Tom Brady. One of the replacements in New England. Turns out he was going to replace him in Tampa this entire time. Is there any other quarterbacks on here that can make moves or money moves this offseason? Not really. I'm looking at my – I made a sheet, and I, I'm not very confident in this sheet. I kind of just made it up on the spot. But, like, drafted quarterbacks, I mean, we're just going to stick with the mock draft. Like, Kenny Pickett to Carolina. I guess I don't have Malik Willis on here because I threw Carson Wentz there because I saw the report about that. So we'll see how that one goes. So I'm not going to – I guess Kenny Pickett's the only one I'm pretty confident in at this point in time of him going to Carolina. And that could, that's subject to change. I'm not, I'm not sitting here and going, that's going to happen. But it just feels like it's too like, – too – coincidental not to happen it feels just like the Kyler Murray and Cardinals thing where the Cardinals have a whole had a whole hell of a, need, a lot of needs on their roster and they still went out and drafted a quarterback the only issue is the Panthers don't have a quarterback and they're stuck with Sam Darnold's contract so my logic is I've, I've talked about this before where the Panthers instead of going out and trying to trade for someone because no one's going to take on Sam Darnold's contract he's nowhere worth nowhere near worth that contract because the Panthers were stupid and just accepted the fifth year option before they even traded for him and now I think they just got to go out and draft guy. And Kenny Pickett, with his connection with Matt Rule, just makes way too much sense not to happen. But those are some of the quarterbacks I think could make moves this offseason. Other quarterbacks that could be on the move or dark horse quarterbacks. Uh, Tua, maybe. No, he's not going to be on the move. They they just fired Brian Flores because they sided with Tua, so he's, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Baker Mayfield, dark horse one. I think he's just going to be back in Cleveland. But... He is a dark horse one, I did say in my last mock draft that they're a quarterback away. Healthy Baker Mayfield, I still don't think is that great, but injured Baker Mayfield hurt the Browns quite a bit last year. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, dark horse? Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Anywhere else? Any other? Seattle, Russell Wilson, that could be a very fun one to watch this offseason, see where he gets traded. He could be a very likely candidate for Indianapolis or Cleveland. And he trained his Twitter profile picture to a picture of him when he was out in Virginia. So, ooh, we got more. We got more. I mean, I think it was a Twitter profile before, and he just changed it back. So I don't really think it's something that should be looked into too much, but maybe it is. Maybe I'm not giving it the credit it deserves. Uh, Jameis Winston, I didn't mention that. I bet he'll probably just end up back in New Orleans or something. Uh, Indianapolis makes a, a bit of sense for him as well. Now, I, I have seen that if the Packers, the Broncos don't get Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Jimmy Garoppolo are the number one and two categories on their list, which is a... That's a pretty big drop-off from Aaron Rodgers to get Kirk Cousins or Pat or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But, man, I thought – so with that talking point out of the way, I thought this would be kind of fun. We did this during the Super Bowl going over a quiz. Last time we did a quiz on Sporkle, it was quarterbacks 
Winning and losing quarterbacks from every single Super Bowl in NFL history. We got 44 out of 55 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. They didn't have Burrow and, um, wow, I already forgot, Stafford <laughs> on this list. But since we're talking about quarterbacks and where they can be moving and quarterbacks that be starting opening day, I thought it'd be fun. to. This is a quiz on here. You can search this up. I just searched quarterbacks in the search bar at sporkle.com. Can you name the opening starting quarterbacks, opening day starting quarterbacks from the past five seasons for every NFL team? Every NFL team. So that includes, <laughs> no, you guys should know all the quarterbacks. Now, this will fill up pretty fast. So, like, teams that have had one quarterback for the better part of five years. Like, the Patriots, Tom Brady will fill up three spots. The Ravens will have Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco. So it'll be, like, stuff like that. It won't be anything that's going to be too, ins- at least I don't think. I got seven minutes to do this. I might forget who a starting quarterback was at one point and go, like, oh, crap. But we got seven minutes, 160 players on here. But again, things will move pretty fast. So, like we did with the Super Bowl, I hope you can. <laughs> I hope you believe me when I'm saying this is happening. I'm not just looking up quarterbacks or just saying this. But seven minutes, three, two, one, go. All right, New England Patriots. So we got obviously Mac Jones, Cam Newton is another one on there because he started last year. Tom Brady is the last three. The New York Jets, Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold started there, and then what? Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2017. No? Who was it? Was it Mc- it was Josh McCown. It was Josh McCown. Jo- Buffalo Bills, of course. Josh Allen, Nathan the Peterman, and Tyra Taylor. Hold on. Got a spell. Uh, Dolphins, Tagovailoa. They had Ryan Fitzpatrick there. So when I searched Fitzpatrick, that one filled up there. 2018, was that Cutler? Jo- oh, he was 2019 or 2017. Um, I'm trying to go in order of teams. So we got Ryan Tannehill in there. Ravens, Lamar Jackson, I got to spell right. Jackson and Flacco, so that was a pretty simple one. Joe Burrow is back-to-back. Then we had Dalton, should be the other three. There we go. Mayfield for the Browns, Tyra Taylor, and then um, (laughs) Deshaun Kaiser, the greatest second-round draft pick of all time, which I don't think it's talked enough about. We talked about that during the top five dumbest thing, where we had the Browns trading back when they had the 12th pick that was used to select Deshaun Watson, trading back in the second round and drafting Deshaun Kaiser. That one doesn't get talked about enough. Steelers, I mean, it's only been one guy. It's been Ben Roethlisberger. Texans, Deshaun Watson, and 21 Tom Savage. <laughs> Carson Wentz for the Colts. Phillip Rivers, Luck, Brissett. Um, what other quarterbacks was there? Who was before? Was it Scott Tolzien? Was he on there? Yeah, it was Scott Tolzien. Jaguars, yeah, Wisconsin quarterback. This is one of those stereotypical, boring Wisconsin quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars. Then we got Gardner Minshew. Bortles, the boat, and then who was who was before Minshew? Foles, Nick Foles. And then we got the Titans. We already got Tannehill in there. Mariota's the other three. It should be. Yep. Broncos. Uh, Locke. Bridgewater. I don't know how to spell Simeon, though, so this one might be interesting. Simeon. Simeon. There we go. 2018. Who the hell is 2018 for the Broncos? Wasn't Paxton Lynch? Joe Flacco. Keenum? Yeah, 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 yeah. Patch Mahomes for the Chiefs. And then Alex Smith. Obviously, that was a pretty easy one. Derek Carr for all the Raiders ones. Chargers, Justin Herbert. Already got Tyra Taylor and Phillip Rivers in there from the Colts and the Bills. Uh, Cowboys, Dak Prescott. And he's just all of them. Okay, I didn't even realize that. The Giants. Oh, Manning. What? Why did I even think about that one? Then? Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. That one's a pretty self-explanatory one. Uh, Washington Commanders. Kirk Cousins pops up in there for 2017. 2020? Who started in 2020 for Washington? Is Alex? No, Alex Smith would already popped up. He's on 2018. Kyle Allen? No. 
Oh my God, what are the other quarterbacks that are in Washington? Wasn't Heineke? Keenum was already there in 2019. What the hell is the other quarterback? Haskins, Deshaun, Dewan, Deshaun, Dwayne, jeez, Dwayne Haskins. Good Lord, Trubisky in Chicago. And then who was before him? Mike Glennon, obviously the greatest contract of all time. Lions, Stafford, and Goff. That was a pretty self-explanatory one. Packers, Rodgers, pretty easy one. Vikings before Kurt, uh, Bradford, or was it? It was Sam Bradford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Falcons, Matt Ryan, Saints, Breeze, Winston. I mean, this is pretty easy. I've got two more teams to do. <laughs> Murray, who was before Sam Bradford, Palmer, uh, 49ers, Garoppolo. <laughs> okay. Kaepernick. Or was it Gabbert? It was Gabbert. How do you spell Gabbert? Is it two T's? Gabbert. No, what am I talking about? Brian Hoyer. Okay, well, we got it. We <laughs> had 13, three and a half minutes left. <laughs> so that was, that was a little easier than expected. Huh. <laughs> Didn't really expect it to be go by that fast. But yeah, uh, what's, what's it like to be perfect? Average score is 82%. We got 100%. Should we do another one? Let's search another one, see what other <laughs> things we can find. I don't feel like we, we didn't waste enough time doing that one. What other ones are there? Top 10 prolific but unsuccessful quarterbacks? What? What does that even mean? Oh. Oh, that could be very interesting. I don't know if I want to do this one, though. It's 10 minutes long. Can you name the quarterbacks who have the most passing yards while failing to reach these playoff milestones? We got without winning a Super Bowl without appearing in a Super Bowl, without appearing in a conference championship, without playing in a playoff game, without making the playoffs. Do we want to do that one, or do we want to look for another one? Because I wanted to find one that was more on par of what we were talking about, because <laughs> we weren't really talking about Super Bowls in that one. Jerry Rice's quarterbacks could be kind of I mean, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Rich Gannon. Matt, who was this quarterback in Seattle? Was it Matt Hasselbeck? He had one year in Seattle, which is very weird. 2014 NFL opening day quarterbacks? 20, uh, why, uh, 2015? The year I graduated high school, 2016? 2018 NFL opening day quarterbacks? Like, uh, I want to go starting quarterbacks 2000s. Oh, okay. This, this is 20 minutes, though. I don't want to do 20-minute long quiz. That, that, that feels like it's too long. Why would I want to do that? I think we're going to do starting quarterbacks opening day. What is this one? Rookie quarterbacks. Can you name the NFL quarterbacks who started the least ha at least half of their team's games during their rookie season? That one could be kind of fun. Do I want to do that one? We're talking about rookies a little bit, right? We'll do this one. We'll do this one. It's 15 minutes. It, I mean, it's five less than 20. But we got 106 quarterbacks on here. If I get to a point where I don't know any, I'll just I'll end the quiz. I'm not gonna. I really don't want to sit here for 15 more minutes and do this quiz. So we're gonna. Three, two, one, play quiz. The bottom one, we're trying to go in order as much as possible. Justin Fields, Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and filled out Russell Wilson in there. New England Patriots, Mac Jones, Dolphins, Tagovailoa, Cincinnati Burrow, Herbert for the Charges, Minshew for the Jaguars, Cardinals, Murray, San Fran, 2018. Who's starting quarterback in 2018 for the... Was that Bethard? Beat hard? No. San Francisco in 2018. Who got drafted in 2018 by the Niners? 
Okay, we're going to skip that. We're going to jump to Allen, and then we got Rose, and then we got Mayfield. Then we got Darnold, and then we got Chicago. We got Trubisky, because now we're in 2017 territory. Trubisky. Then we've got the Browns, Kaiser, uh, Cleveland again in 2016. Wow. This is sad. <laughs> trying to go in order as much as possible. Who's Cleveland's quarterback in 2016? Who'd they draft? So we'll skip that one. We'll come back to that one. Wentz. Then we got Prescott. And then 2015, we got Mariota. Then we got Winston. 2014, the Vikings. 2014 Vikings. Who'd they draft? Bridgewater. Why did I almost forget that one? Jacksonville. That's the boat. Bortles. Oakland, 2014, that's Derek Carr. He's second-round draft pick, surprisingly. Uh, 2013, Manuel, the GOAT. Tampa Bay, 2013, Josh Freeman? Oh, he was in 20... Wow, I was really late on that one, or really early on that one. Uh, Geno Smith for the Jets in 2013, but who is this Buccaneers quarterback? Tampa Bay, 2013. Who they drafted 2013? I don't know why I guessed Josh Freeman this early. Who's there, who are some of the quarterbacks they have? Oh, no, we already guessed Winston. Who the hell would it be? We'll skip that one. We're going to skip that one. Washington, that's RG3, so we got to put that one. We got Cleveland, 2012. Um, 20, was that Brandon Whedon? Yes, it was Brandon Whedon. Miami, Tannehill, uh, Colts, Luck. There we go. We passed one through one list already. 2011, that's Pinder. Christian Ponder. Jacksonville, Gabbert. Uh, Carolina, Newton, Cincinnati, Dalton. Okay, now we're in 2011. We're still in 2011. St. Louis, that's Bradford. Carolina, Clawson. Yes, it was. Jimmy Clawson. Cleveland. Cleveland. It's not Brady Quinn. He's a few years before. He's like in 2006. He was in the Jamarcus Russell class. And he's not even on this list. Uh, Cleveland in 2010. Who the hell do they have drafted? Colt McCoy. That has to be Colt McCoy, right? Yes, Colt McCoy. Detroit, Stafford, New York Jets, 2009. Sanchez, the Sanchez. Baltimore, 2008. Flacco, obviously. Ryan, Buffalo, um, Trent Edwards. Can't forget about Trent Edwards. Tampa Bay, 2006. We're at 1150 right now. We've got 45 quarterbacks so far. Tampa Bay in 2011, or 2006. What am I talking about? I have to come back to that one. Russell is two is two thousand six for the Raiders. So we got no. Who's two thousand six for the Raiders? What? So we got Leinert in two thousand six. Tennessee. Jake no, Jake Locker's not on there. Why did I guess Jake Locker? Oakland in two thousand six. Who's in two thousand six for the Raiders? I'm blanking really hard right now. I, Jason Campbell's one that pops my head. He got dropped by Washington. Now we're getting to dangerous territory right now. So we got Roethlisberger. I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit. Not, I'm on the same page, but I'm skipping around a little bit. Baltimore, that has got to be Kyle Bowler. Yeah. Jacksonville, 2003. Leftwich. 2002, Detroit. Who's Detroit's quarterback in 2002? It's not John Kitna. Because he started off with the Bengals and went back to the Bengals. Ended with the Lions. 2002, Detroit Lions. If you guys know this, uh, I would. I hope you're not yelling at the the radio or anything, because this is a very dangerous time. We're at 10:40 right now. We got 49 quarterbacks so far. Dallas, 2001, and in 2002, is that Carter? I don't remember his name. Quincy Carter. So I got one of them. He was 2001, 2002. Who are the other quarterbacks the Cowboys have drafted? 
Romo wasn't drafted. They didn't draft Bledsoe. Well, I could put, I could just stick Bledsoe on there because he started for the Patriots. Uh, okay, Ryan Leaf, Manning. Wow, this is starting to get stressful now. San Francisco, 1999. Carolina, 2001. Is that that's not Del Delome didn't get drafted by the Carolina Panthers. He was in like NFL Europe or something before he came over to the United States. Who did the Panthers draft? Oh, Kerry Collins. Duh. I knew that. Well, that was a few years before that. Who did they draft in 2001? Who the hell did they draft in 2001? 1996? For the Rams? I'm combining all these teams together in my head right now. We've got 55 quarterbacks at 106. I'm trying to stay in order. I want to skip around, but I really just want to try and get everything in order. Who was 1998 for the Lions? Is that where? No. What was it? He was a Houston quarterback. That was earlier than that anyways. Uh, David Klingler, would he be on here for Cincinnati? Where would he be at? Oh, I'm blanking super hard right now. Okay, there's uh, Jeff George. <laughs> 1990 for the Colts. And Aikman for the Cowboys in 1989. Detroit. Don't know. Raiders. Is that um, Todd Marinovich? Inivich? Marin... Avich, I don't know how to spell his name. Vich, I don't know when he was drafted. It was somewhere. No, he was he was nineties. I don't know why I'm going back far to the eighties. Rick Myrer, Myrer, for the Seattle Seahawks. For those of you who aren't aware, Washington ninety four. Is that Heath Schuler? Yes, it was ninety six. St. Louis. Now I'm back on the stupid. I'm trying to get back in a groove of thing. We got eight minutes and twenty seconds left. Eighty eight Colts. 1988 Colts. That wouldn't be Harbaugh, would it? No, he was drafted by the Bears, but he might be on here. No, he's no, he wasn't drafted by the Was he drafted by the Bears? Yes, he was. Okay, we're going to go to the top. 1970, uh, Joey, or Joe Ferguson. Usson. Oh, well, Jack Kemp, Kemp's not on there? What? Who's 1970 for the Bills? Oh, this looks bad. <laughs> Okay, we gotta do. We gotta go to the '83 draft. That's an easy one. Okay, Denver, Elway. Then we. Oh, they just got two quarterbacks there. Marino. <laughs> I forgot Kelly was in the USFL for a little bit. Uh, '86. That's Reich. No, Bills drafted quarterback in '86. Started 16 games. That has to be Frank Reich, right? Am I spelling his name wrong? What? That has to be Frank Reich. Cause they drafted. He was a third round draft. Well, am I? I've got to be spelling his name wrong. Cause I. No, I was not. He was drafted in 85. Who the hell is in 86 then? I've got 7 minutes and 12 seconds left. I've got 62 quarterbacks at 106. I would like to get a little bit better in this. Oh, well. Was... Oh, my God. I'm blanking super hard on all of these. Jim McMahon got him in 82. <laughs> Oh, my God. 86 for the Bills. Who the hell was drafted in 86 for the Bills? I didn't know there was a quarterback drafted in 86 for the Bills. Because Frank Reich, again, was the one I was thinking of. It, Jim Kelly, does Jim Kelly count? Because that was his rookie year, technically, in the NFL? Oh, they, they did count that. Okay. Because he got drafted and then went to the USFL right afterwards. So, I guess 86 is technically his rookie year. Okay, I'm glad I guessed that because I would have been very upset if I didn't get if I got that one wrong. 
1991 for the Steelers. Well, I guess I could. Uh, Brad, that's not that's not the right quarterback, but I, I had to throw Terry Bradshaw on there because I, I just need to get someone on the board. Oh, my God. Atlanta. The only quarterbacks I can think of in Atlanta are Chris Chandler. Oh, he's on there for Indianapolis. Okay, we got one. <laughs> Chris Miller. Uh, but Chris Chandler was on there. He got to the Falcons to the Super Bowl. He got shit stomped by the Broncos. Um, he, 91 for the Steelers. Tommy Maddox was drafted by the Broncos. So that's not him. Cordell Stewart? No, Cordell Stewart. No, Cordell Stewart was drafted in the like late 90s. Because I played with him in either late 90s or early. Well, might as well guess him. I don't think it would have been right, but get him on there. Kurt Warner? He didn't get drafted, but there was a, a, a Tony Banks. Tony Banks for the Rams, yeah, because he was the guy Trent Green replaced in St. Louis before St. Re- Trent Green got hurt, and then, you know, this, the rest is history. I feel like Jake Plummer's got to be on here. Yeah, 97 for the Cardinals. Who else would be on here? Baltimore Colts in 82. Is that Schlichter? Art Schlichter? I don't know how to spell his name though. Art Schlichter. I need to. I, I'm sorry about this. I need to copy and paste this because if it's wrong, if it's right, I want it. It's not. So I just wanted to see if I could get that on there. I'm not. I'm not looking up names to make sure they're on their list. I'm making sure I, I spell the name right. But who the hell is this Bills quarterback? I thought Jack Kemp, but it's not Jack Kemp. Who was in eight? Who was in seventy? This is throwing me off because it's not actually their rookie years. Because, like, Jim Kelly wasn't drafted in 86. He was drafted in 83. But they counted him in 86. Because that was, I guess, his rookie year. Vince Ferragamo? Ferragamo? Agano? Ferragano? I don't know. Ferragato? Gamo? I don't even think he's on the list. Why do I keep guessing him? Who was drafted in Baltimore in 82? Oh no, Cleveland! Oh, that's Co- that's Bernie Kosar. Okay, so we got so we got sixty nine. Let's go. We got sixty nine. Rams, L.A. Rams, nineteen ninety five. Nineteen eighty five. Who was drafted in that same year as Bernie Kosar? Because I know the line. Bill Fralick was drafted in that draft. Then we had Jerry Rice, I believe, drafted in that draft as well. Those answers don't help me in this situation. <laughs> Who was drafted in Pittsburgh in 91? I don't know who their quarterbacks were at that one. It wasn't Neil O'Donnell, was it? Was it Neil O'Donnell? Oh, my God, it was Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> it was Neil O'Donnell. I want to get this 2013 Tampa one. This one's bothering me a little bit. It's not Jameis Winston. It's not Gabbert. It's obviously not Trask. Who's San Francisco in 2018, though? What are their quarterbacks that the 49ers have in 2018? Are they... This is going to piss me off because I think... Are they really going to count Garoppolo on here? Okay, I I didn't I didn't think so because he played before that, but Cleveland in 2016. I'm trying to like Johnny. I'm just shooting blanks right now. Johnny Manziel? No, I I knew that wasn't right because he was drafted in the Bridgewater draft 2014. Because the funny thing about that is the Browns spent like a a million dollars or an insane amount of money. It might not have been a million dollars to tell on a scouting firm to tell them who the best quarterback in the draft was, and they said Teddy Bridgewater, and they still. Went out and drafted <laughs> the boy. Oh, 2013's Mike Glennon for the Bucks. Yeah, okay. Because Jim Kelly was really high on Mike Glennon, and the Bills ended up drafting EJ Manuel instead. So we got 230 left. We got 71 at 106. Uh, 2016 Cleveland. Who was in the Carson Wentz draft? 
Who else? It was a later round draft pick. So I think those are the only two that went. The f- no, no, there was somebody. It's not Brandon Weeding because he's already been on this list. Here's 2012, anyways. 2016. Who the hell was it? Because it wasn't Kaiser. Kaiser's 2017. Who was on that roster? Oh my god, I'm. Two minutes left. Two minutes left. San Francisco's bothering me as well. I want to get the 2021 to 2012 page done. I want that one all the way done. 2006 Buccaneers, 2006 Raiders is bothering me too because that one has to be Demarcus Russell because that was the year. No, Demarcus Russell was drafted. Oh, Tennessee's Vince Young. Okay, we got that one. 20 McNown, Cade McNown. Is he on this list? No. Who the Bear? Kyle Orton. Yes, we got him for the Bears. Detroit Lions in 2002. Dallas in 2002 as well. After Aikman. I knew Quincy Carter was going to be around there. Who's 2001 for the... I feel like DeLone would be on here. But I might be spelling his name wrong, and I don't really want to look it up because i got a minute 15 left on this quiz. Cleveland in 1999. Oh, Tim Couch. Duh. San Francisco. Don't remember. It's 1999. Carmazzi didn't start that many games. No quarterback in the 2000 draft class started any games, or at least half their season, their team's games. Carmazzi wasn't 99. It was that Jeff Garcia? It was Jeff Garcia. 1998, Detroit. Detroit. Scott. It's not Scott Mitchell because he was drafted by the Dolphins, but and he was drafted when they had Marino. 45 seconds left. The San Francisco ones bothered me a lot. It's not C.J. Beathard, even though he did play quite a bit of games for the 49ers during that year. Who else would they have drafted? They drafted Kaepernick. Alex Smith was drafted way before that. And Kaepernick didn't play his rookie year, to my knowledge, anyways. Browns in 2016. Who the hell did they draft in 2016? I'm just throwing out random names now. (laughs) All these names are wrong. 10 seconds, I got 75 out of 106. If I could get one more... Phil Sims, yes, <laughs> got one more. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, we got seventy-two percent right. We got seventy-six out of one hundred and six. Uh, Cody Kessler, I really liked Cody Kessler at USC. I really liked Cody Kessler. I completely forgot about him. Nick Mullins was the 49ers one. Joey Harrington, yeah. Chad Hutchinson would not have gotten that one in a million years. Chris Winkie, yeah, Heisman winner. He was 28 years old when he won the Heisman. <laughs> Beat Michael Vick in the natty. Charlie Batch, I forgot he got drafted by Detroit. Andrew Walter, I have no idea who that is. Bruce Gradkowski wouldn't have got that one. I like Bruce Gradkowski. Steve Berline, okay, yeah, probably. Rodney Pete, that was the one of the, he was a Houston, he was one of the Houston quarterbacks, wasn't he? Rodney Pete. Hold on. No, he was USC. Who the hell were the Houston quarterbacks? I mean, we talked about... Uh, we t- we said his name earlier. Right after Boomer Esiason. I can't... Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jack Trudeau. No. One of, Warren Moon. Yeah, I, he didn't get drafted. I wasn't even thinking about the years they actually just started playing. But Houston, 1984. Yeah, because he went up to Canada right after he left Washington. Won a few Grey Cups. I think he won five straight Grey Cups or something like that. And then came to the NFL... And then signed with Houston. They had the air raid offense. Probably one of the more disappointing teams in NFL history in regards to teams that never won anything that had really good players. Um, Doug Williams, I kind of forgot he got drafted by Tampa Bay on a really bad Buccaneers team. That were starting to get better. Starting to get better. 
Jim Zorn for Seattle. Yeah, Steve Bartkowski for the Falcons. He's an Iowan, I believe. I got to look this up now because I said that, so I got to make sure it's actually right. Steve Bartkowski. I'm pretty sure he's an Iowan. Yeah, he's from Des Moines. Yeah. Um, uh, who else is on here? Dan Passerini and Jim Plunkett. Yeah, Dennis Shaw. I- I'm sorry. I don't remember. <laughs> he was drafted in 1970, so I don't remember watching him play. But I don't remember him being – I don't remember him at all. <laughs> he's never been mentioned. never once popped my head for the Buffalo Bills quarterbacks throughout their history. He's not one that ranks pretty highly – on my list of quarterbacks in Buffalo Bills history. When I think of legendary Bills quarterbacks, or Bills quarterbacks like from the olden days, Joe Ferguson's the first one that pops up because he was one of my first football cards, and then Jack Kemp. Everybody else kind of blurs together because there were some bad – there's four really good quarter, or not really good, if we're talking about Buffalo Bills standards here. Uh, Joe Ferguson, Jack Kemp, Jim Kelly, Josh Allen. <laughs> but there's there's a few on here that I wish I would have got, like Plunkett and Pastorini. I, I kind of, to be honest, I kind of forgot Jim Plunkett was drafted by the Patriots, even though we've talked about Jim Plunkett quite a bit on this show. Pastorini should have gotten that one. Archie Manning, I didn't even realize I got that one if I looked up and saw Archie Manning, because <laughs> I typed in Manning, so that one popped up, but I remember typing that one in, so I didn't look at that one. Warren Moon's one I'm upset about, but again, didn't really think about it. Like Jim Kelly in 86, that, whatever. But yeah, the the Nick Mullins, Cody Kessler ones, those were more recent. I should have probably gotten those. Joey Harrington definitely. So if I looked at ones I should have definitely gotten, Joey Harrington's one of them. Uh, if I used my brain, Warren Moon would have probably been one of them, but I, I went through the fact that he didn't get drafted, so I think that's why I kind of ruled him out. Uh, Passerini and Plunkett are two other ones that I would have should have definitely gotten. So I, I would say... And Kessler and Mullins. So what? Mullins, Kessler, Herring, Harrington... Plunkett passed. So I five more. So 81 out of 106. Either way, the average score on this is 26%. So you know what? I'll take it. And you can go on sporkle.com as well and search it. Can you name the NFL quarterbacks who start at least half their team's games during their rookie year? And the other one that we did in about a minute and a half was the um, – oh, where is that one at? Oh, where past – past five opening day quarterbacks for the NFL. So if you enjoyed the show – I hope you did. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're following Logan Blyman Show on all forms of social media. Went over those at the beginning. If you want me to go over them, just say yes. And he said yes. So make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on Logan underscore Blackman on Twitter, Blackman Logan on Instagram, and the Logan Blackman Show 1 on Instagram as well. The Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. Just search Logan Blackman Show. should pop up. Give it a thumbs up. YouTube, search the same thing. Subscribe to the channel. Watch a few videos. Give them a thumbs up. Because you can't dislike them anymore, or if you do, it doesn't matter. And then, of course, you're listening to it right now, so make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts, and leave a rating out of five stars on both. And, uh, yeah, go take the quiz for yourself. Hope you liked it. Hope you enjoyed the quizzes that we did. I'm, I might start doing this on Fridays, because I find them pretty fun. Test my brain power a little bit. And it, it makes me, it kind of validates or invalidates me as a, a, a guy that can actually host a radio show. So, <laughs> with that being said... Just make sure I've got nothing else I really want to talk about today. I think that's it. So with that, I hope you all enjoy your rest of the weekend. or hope you enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoy the show. And I will see you all later. Peace.